Hi, this is Doug Levesque with BibleNation.org and the Bible Nation podcast. The Michigan Proposition podcasts that we're about to record um, are going to be delivered in two different recordings. We're going to do part one with Proposition 1 and 2, and then part two with Proposition 3. We would hope that you would listen to these, be educated, be motivated, and then share these with your friends, because a lot of people are confused about these propositions. And so please take the opportunity to watch and share part one and part two of the Michigan Proposal Podcast. Thank you. What are we standing up for? The ability, the freedom to do what's right as God defines that right. God's the ultimate author of liberty. We don't want government to stand between us and our freedom to do what is right. It's election time all around the country, and here in Michigan, we're dealing with three different ballot proposals, and we just have a few weeks to go as we have this filming. So today we're going to talk about Prop 1, Prop 2, and Prop 3. Welcome to the Bible Nation podcast. I'm Doug Levesque, and we're here live in the studio with um, Tony Nash of AZ Business Solutions and Pastor Jason Georges of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Guys, thanks for being here with us today. Good to be uh, here. We're going to get a little bit political today because we're going to talk about these ballot proposals. A lot of people have asked, hey, what are these proposals and how should we be voting? And we're not going to tell you how to vote, but we're going to tell you what these proposals are, and we'll tell you how we th what we think and how we're going to vote uh, on these issues. You know, the best culture is a Bible culture. It's proven, and it works. And if you have the Bible in your mind and heart, then um, you can apply it to decisions like, how am I going to vote, right? We have a wonderful right to vote, but as far as I'm concerned, all my rights have been surrendered to the Lord. I look to the Scripture on how to execute those rights. And so when I go into the voting booth and, and, and pull... Uh, the curtain, I believe that's everyone's private decision. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I say, Lord, that space is your space. And so um, that helps me to, you know, deal with things that are confusing. And one of the things about all these proposals, and, and they're actually, you know, in the promotion or demotion of these things, people are saying, this is confusing. I think it's confusing somewhat on purpose, you know, mm -hmm. uh, about this. But um, Certainly. But, uh, you know, all of us here are engaged in some aspect of the political game. Uh, you know, separate from the Bible Nation Society. And so we kind of see behind the scenes what these proposals are attempting to do. And I don't know about you. I want to hear from you guys. I think sometimes these proposals are put down to try to get people who might not otherwise care about a candidate, a.k.a. a legislator or governor or something like that. That's not motivation enough for them to come out and vote. Um, you know, for instance, we have Governor Whitmer, and even a lot of Democrats are still remembering and, and disappointed with how she handled um, COVID mandates and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so what's going to motivate them to come out? Well, let's put some proposals that, you know, might interest them. Right. And so I think sometimes it's a ploy like that. I think we're going to, as we see these also, I think that these are confusing because they're, they're purpose to be, mm -hmm. have a little bit of left and right leaning to them. And I think Hidden the idea language. is if we get these passed, like if we get these passed and maybe usher in our candidate, then at the same time, the next election is going to stick these mandates on the Republican candidates. In other yeah. words, Republican candidates are going to have to deal with this because they don't anticipate winning the next election. Right. You know what I mean? And um, so I think there's some, you know, double well, dealing in the proposals. Go ahead. Whitmer, remember, she came into office on the back of recreational marijuana. Right. So these proposals have become a tool of, and, and, they're, now, when I say a tool, they are tools available to both parties. Right. Now, if we're if we're if we're calling the commentary on this election cycle and we're up in the broadcast booth, right. 
the Democrats are playing the proposal game. Yeah. You know, their ground game on this one yeah. uh, is a lot better. They've because got a better wide receiver than we have. They're stacking, they're stacking <laughs> the ballot with proposals that are red meat for their base. Yeah. So now they have multiple reasons to motivate people to mm-hmm. come to the right. – to, so people are going to come vote for Gretchen and then probably vote for these proposals. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to come vote for these proposals, and while I'm there, I'm going to go ahead and just vote for Gretchen. Right. And so, I mean – it's masterful in that and, and just a political game. But the what's what is dangerous about this is the depths of what they're willing to pass just to win an election. Right. And right. so recreational marijuana, right? But right. now we're talking about we are willing to sell our souls for the wholesale murder of children. We're gonna see this in proposal three, just to win an election. Right. Right. I mean, that's you don't get any dark you don't get any darker than that. Absolutely. What they're seeing about these proposals is there's buzzwords, keywords that make people think, oh, I'm voting for a good thing. Mm -hmm. But there's so much hidden language. And when you look at these, I mean, these are pages and pages and pages of words that all you pass one, you pass all of this. And people need to really, before they vote on it, they need to read it and understand what they're truly voting on. And they understand that 99 percent of people won't read it. They'll just hear. What's the headline? Oh, I'm voting for that. I read a lot of legalese. And so I usually can cut through it. I, I read all these and I thought, man, there's things that like they're trying to throw out something that's rightist. You know, and then there are things that act like they're trying to, um, you know, hold themselves down or whatever. It didn't make sense. It was confusing. I'm like, what, you know, what way are they going here? It doesn't make sense that it's coming from the left or the right. And, well, maybe we're just trying to be down the middle and, and helpful. But I'm like, no. these are going to be stuck on people. In fact, um, Proposal 1 is a constitutional amendment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that, that's, a, that's a huge, huge thing. So is Prop 3? Yeah. And so I want people to know that you can go to Michigan.gov. Um, slash SOS, which is Secretary of State, slash elections, um, slash upcoming election information. If you Google that, you know, that'll we'll come can up. Put the, we'll put the link in the description. Yeah, and so you can go and you can read the proposals because we're not going to read them all in the 30 minutes that we ha- have here um, to talk about things. But let's, get, let's go ahead and just start. We'll start with um, proposal number one on the Michigan ballot. It's a constitutional amendment that is expanding – uh, the time that uh, a legislator can stay in the legislation to 12 years. I think now it's six, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's doubling the lifetime of a legislator in in uh, in there. Now, I, I don't know. That just doesn't seem good. You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And if you put a guy in there for uh, 12 years, it's easier to have a cabal, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And, um, and then also part of that is modified financial disclosure. Now, I've run for office, statewide office, and the paperwork is difficult. The, the software is difficult. They won't really let you just go to the election office and fill out a form anymore or do stuff on paper and mail it in. You have to right. master this stuff. And most people don't. I've had other uh, people that are running for office um, in the Republican Party call me and say, now, what do I do here and how do I do here? As though I you know, perfected it. And I said, well, at the end of the day, I hire an accounting firm that is good at this and I pay to make sure that things are turned in. And the fact of the matter is almost everybody that, that is running, especially on a statewide office is doing something wrong and getting some sort of fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't take, they don't say that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's such a way that, that somebody could get a hold of that and say they had fines for this and not reporting this and this mm-hmm. and that. And so what it becomes is like with Hillary Clinton and um, you know, Obama, they, they were wholesale receiving money on the internet in $20 increments from China, Russia, mm-hmm. and people were just going click, 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 Through click, their click. foundation. And, and it was known, but it was like they were skirting enough stuff that there wasn't enough there to to bite in. Yeah. And so if there's a game to play, it'll be played when it comes to, you know, taking money. People want to start their own 501c4s, and that way they can raise, you know, 
absolute money over here, and that that company is supposed to be neutral, but it's altogether promoting one candidate. Right. And that, you know, that happens all the time. On the financial side of this proposal, you know, it and in the financial side of politics, mm-hmm. it's purposely designed to be cumbersome. Mm-hmm. So that then it can be selectively enforced. Yes. Right. So Absolutely. everyone, no one gets it right. Right. I, I, the, the, everyone has an infraction. Mm-hmm. But now that puts it on those that are in power mm-hmm. to selectively enforce who they want to criminalize. Right. right. So everyone's wrong. Every, every, no one, and not anyone right. ever crosses their T's and dots their I's perfectly. Right. But now I can focus on this candidate or, or whoever. And of course, we saw that mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the last. Um, election cycle, but what what makes this wrong? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Bible per, kind of perspective right. is the idea is that this is done under the guise of integrity, right. and so therefore the voter, right. the right. American public, believes we're trying to make things better. Right, and you're we're, not. More it, it, that we're going to have more integrity, and yeah. yet there's no integrity. It, right. it would almost be yeah. better to say, hey. There's no integrity in this. Right. It's the wild, wild west. You need to do your due diligence. Right. Don't trust anything. I think everyone, we would get a better turnout if everyone would just realize that. Yeah. Well, and this is in conjunction with you know Biden's Inflation Reduction Act calls for the hiring of 87,000 new IRS agents. Right. And right. so there's going to be a huge team that are yeah. going to be able to audit whoever, whenever, yeah. based on this new legislature well, that was passed. Well, especially the federal election laws. But like yeah. in the state of Michigan, like if you go to the Secretary of State you know, in Michigan and you go to the Bureau of Elections... I mean, it's crickets. I mean, yeah, there's people working from home now post-COVID, post and it used to be more. Mm-hmm. But comparatively, there is not enough people in the Bureau of Elections mm-hmm. to handle all the elections in every county and everything else, let alone the state ones. And so they're only going to look at, and, and you know, this is per their own admission, they're only going to look at what someone complains about. Mm-hmm. So if you just can learn how to fly under the radar. And the Secretary of State, who basically is overseeing the Bureau of Elections, is you know, usually in the hand of the governor. And so mm-hmm. whatever party's in command right. can kind of do what they want. Selectively enforce that. So, so this is a constitutional amendment that would be, you know, very difficult to overturn that's going to put the wrong people potentially in power mm-hmm. for the longest amount of time, especially if you're redistricting and things like that, and then modify their financial giving under the auspice of, oh, they're legit mm-hmm. in such a way where they're going to play the game to where they're getting bigger money that they don't have to report. And it's mm-hmm. saying, they, you know, we want to know where your money's coming from, but rather than have, you know, 10,000 people who gave you $100 and you have to get information on all of them, what their employer is, what their income is, mm-hmm. like you have to get all this information to do that. They're just going to, you know, they'll say, yeah, I got six individuals that gave me that, but then I had this 501c4 and this 501c4 and this pack and that pack, and then they can just kind of, easily report six people gave them money and they right. had ten million dollars or whatever right. and then you can't see where that money's coming from unless someone complains and then you know there's uh invitation to go after that so they've uh and particularly on the left and i think on the right too have you know the dirty politicians have figured out how to play that and so this this is offers no extra really integrity it actually kind of invites you to do more of the same um, mm-hmm. of what you're doing. But the real danger is letting someone be in power for 12 years. Well, and so yeah. so now yeah. get get away from the financial side to the term limit side. You know, yeah. the argument of legislators mm-hmm. is that it takes time to become a good legislator. Right. And so by the time a, a guy becomes seasoned, understands the process, yeah. becomes efficient, has influence position, mm-hmm. now they're term limited out. Yeah. But 
that's the design of our government. Yes. Right. Our government was not designed to have career politicians. You right. were supposed right. to go do your little season yeah. and then go back to your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we do have a farm system in our government. Mm-hmm. And so the idea now is if you are one of those good legislators, mm-hmm. so let's say you come into the House and in a Michigan House and you do three terms of two years, mm-hmm. well, now it, it calls down run for state senate. Right. And then get get your three terms at six years. And so you can have a career in politics, but you'll with term limits, it forces you every couple of cycles to come through another refining process where now there's fewer positions. So mm-hmm. only it allows the cream to rise. And if you're good right. or you're a good career politician, you should be able to keep going. But yeah. to be able to stay there at the bottom, because what's going to come with 12 years is now increased pensions, increased retirement, yeah. increased Money. all these different and things. No and it's just going to be a way to... And, and, and it kind of fosters... Um, private industry to get in bed with those people, and then there's other money out there to other interests. The other thing we have a problem with in Michigan, and I'm sure it's elsewhere, is like, you know, over in Flint, we had a Dale Kildee, and then he hands the position to his son, Dan Kildee. Mm-hmm. And that you look down in Detroit, there's three or four of those examples. You look up even in the UP, in the Upper Peninsula, there's examples of nepotism, nepotism. with a family or with a particular business, you know, group, and they're the ones kind of handing the seat off and handing the baton off and if you expand that to 12 years you're you're never going to have a common joe right get then that it's a monarchy get get that position <laughs> and it's interesting this is happening you know under family. kind of a leftist administration uh in an election year where they need help they're going to bring people to the polls and this might not even be um you know that attractive to people but if they can win and slip it through then you undermine the election electoral system by just not putting that many people in it mm-hmm. and you know controlling that so um I, I would say Prop 1, no. I'm going to vote no on that just because, you know, just the 12 years altogether, I don't think anybody should should have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Pastor Jason's right. You know, you, you're um, a citizen statesman. You go in and serve your term or two, and and then you right. you, you move on, you know, yeah. and you let Get some fresh blood in there, some fresh perspective. People, Someone that's been with the people understands the groanings and the pains yeah. and— let them get in there and try to make This is not going to stop political cabals. This is going to yeah. enhance political cabals. Oh, for sure. And, and government efficiency just means more efficient tyranny. <laughs> so, right, exactly. So yeah. it's all right that it gets muddled up. Yeah. It, it's good. It's actually good for us. Right. It's good that they're not that efficient because all government is going to do is move towards more government. Mm-hmm. And, and Michigan used to have longer terms, but then we changed those. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, it was Democrats who changed them because they didn't like Republicans who'd been in office. Mm-hmm. That's that's really mm-hmm. what happened. And so now they're trying to change it back now that they feel like they they're the power, leaning yeah. over the cabal. So yeah, no to that. So let's look at uh, proposal number two. Proposal number two has to do with um, uh, lessening of voter ID demands and early voting enhancements. <laughs> and um, I'll be honest with you, when I was when I was young and, and like um, just getting into and, and I came I came up when Reagan. Uh, was in that was that was the first you know president where I was politically engaged, and um, they were talking about voter IDs then, but they were talking about a national voter ID, mm-hmm. okay, and conservatives were against that. Like we're not centralized government, and we don't want everyone to have. We, you have a state ID, and that was a big fight, and and basically it never went to a national voter ID. Yeah. Well, now most states, you get your driver's license, a state ID, but it works on a on a national communication level. So mm-hmm. we. Practically, if you get a Michigan driver's license or a Michigan state ID, you are in a national thing. So, you know, in a way, over time, we've kind of lost that argument and you are in some sort of national thing. But then you got certain states like California that says, 
well, if we get an uh, illegal alien come across the border, we're going to give them uh, a state ID or a driver's license, even though they're not a citizen. And so then technically they're on this national voters thing. And I, and I guess, you know, the, the, um, the other bureaus like of immigration aren't utilizing that tool to track people down, you know, because yeah. they're not allowed to cross that line or whatever. Um, but, I, but I'm for, I think you should have a picture ID. I think you have to, I mean, you have to have a picture ID to cash a check. Anything, yeah. Anything. Do anything. Yeah, and so to voting. Get on an airplane. Too. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah, picture ID, or let's do it the Afghanistan style and the blue thumb. Sure. You remember when they? I yeah, mean, one vote. One vote. You got you got <laughs> right. one. You got one. You got one right thumb. You yeah. put it in the ink. It stays there for a couple of days. Everyone knows you voted. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's the whole idea. I, this is another. You know, as you think about that, and you brought up California. This is part of the importance also of the electoral college mm-hmm. because voting should be should be governed by the states. So every state should have the the majority say or the overwhelming say on how their citizens yeah. are going to vote. And if once and and the the beauty of the electoral college is if one state goes rogue, the rest of the country's insulated that by that right. because they own they can't sway outside of their electoral. It, it's college. what makes us a republic. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's what makes so, us a republic. But that's coming to end as well. So you know what what's the deal if you if there is no voter ID and and you just show up and vote and say I have a right to vote. I mean that's kind of where they're trying to take it. Yeah. So that anybody can come. Well, that opens it up to voting multiple times. Uh, coming up with, and you're not the person yeah. that's voting. You're like representing their vote, or not a citizen of this country, <laughs> and not a citizen of this country. Um, it, this this proposal is a wonderful reverse engineering of what happened last election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, hey, we found something that worked. Yeah. Now let's just legalize. Let's make this. it legal. Let's yes, just make right. it legal. The early voting enhancements, um, as well. Like I, I'm I'm for like if you're a serviceman overseas, um. If you if you have a work visa and you're working six months for your company, let's say you're IBM, but you're you're working over in France for six months or whatever, mm-hmm. I mean it'd be hard to come back to be on voting day. But if if you had a a um, a work visa or whatever, <coughs> and as long as there was um, you know 90 days ahead of time that you were pre-registering and then you voted one day before the voting day, mm-hmm. that's early registration and early voting. Right. Uh, you know sometimes people are sick or elderly or whatever, and maybe they could do the same thing. Um, but you can't make that perfect. You can't. You can't make that perfect for everybody. And so, you know, the idea is one vote, one living person. How do you ensure that? Mm-hmm. One day, right? One vote day. Maybe it should become a holiday, Ma- so everybody has it, the everyone same. Everyone has a day off work, or whatever. Yeah. One or, or everybody's making the same sacrifice. Yeah. Um, one registration and polling place. One process. One ballot. Uh, one permanent marker. You know. Everybody's got these different nights. Some are digital, some are hanging chads, some mm-hmm. are, you know, whatever. Um, one photo ID, state or federally issued, one encumbrance for everybody. Yeah. It's the same hassle for everybody, one exception. And that is 90 day pre registration with sick elderly servicemen or temporary work people who have their papers for that. Sure. They get an absentee ballot. It has to be postmarked by a post office um, the day before the election in order to be, in order to be uh, controlled. But you know that seems reasonable to give a few changes and to give a little bit, but 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 what uh, Prop Two is saying is these early voting enhancements. If you go on there and read that, um, it it just really wants to be a free for all. Yeah, you know. Well, I think if and they're yeah. advertising young people. Hey, it's easy. Make sure that you do you right. vote vote early. And, you know. I think ninety nine percent of people that would hear that yeah. and that that sounds reasonable, yeah. practical. It sounds yeah. I want to live in a country that has some guidelines. Yeah. But what they're being told is requiring voter ID is racist. Right. 
they put this narrative out. So now you have people who would practically believe that, but they're told, well, voter ID, and you got people believing, well, if you're in a minority area, if you're an African-American, you can't get voter ID. So right. that's a racist statement right. all by itself. Yeah, people believe that. So like, right. yeah, I'm against, let's yeah. let's get rid of the voter ID thing because yeah. it's a racist thing. And the narrative is, you know, that's what old people do. We're young people. We should be able to vote on our phone Yeah, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I kind of, it kind of makes sense, but then everybody's out to get you is the, is the narrative. And the um, early voting enhancements, just like um, the the legislation, it's it's just going to give uh, people uh, an opportunity to complain about the fact that they didn't get their right to vote or somebody right. was out to get their right to vote. Yeah. Um, well, understanding that we live in a country where you have a right to vote, that's yeah. that's to be something that, that's yeah. held up higher than it is. Yeah. But it, you, your yeah. right doesn't mean you can sit on your butt no. at, on a couch at home. It means you can get out on voting day and go That's vote. That's what I was yeah. trying to get at is yeah. that understanding that this is a privilege yeah. that we have in this country that a lot of countries don't, and that I'm going to take this day, this important day, I'm going to do my research, know who I want representing me, who I want to be my voice in Lansing or in D.C. or whatever the case, yeah. so that I make an informed decision because not doing that is an infringement on what my country might be someday. Right. It, it could change that. And, and people don't have that understanding. Right. People don't have that knowledge. And, and so people take, I mean, people move heaven and earth to be available on Christmas Day. Right. <laughs> Why not move heaven and earth to be available on this yeah. one day every four yes. years that we're going to just vote and make sure that we keep our country, our country a republic? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times the, you know, the next generation, they have their phone and they and their phone, they share an identity. Yeah. You know, and so therefore, why can't if I just vote, why can't they know that that's me? And why can't? Yeah. But you know, well then we don't know that's you. That could be somebody else that's mm-hmm. that's stealing mm-hmm. that vote, or you could be getting paid mm-hmm. to vote. You know, there's a whole lot of things they think, kind of don't think through. They're just thinking ease, because that's how life is today, and they think ease is a right. Yeah, with extent ease with, is not a right. You know, with the exception of extenuating circumstances, like you meant, mentioned, show up on the day with an ID. And vote in person like that should be that that's that's yeah. common sense to me yeah that's common sense so these first two make it easier to cheat open the door to all kinds of cheating and complaining and then even after the fact complaining that that election was 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 rigged mm-hmm. right that mm-hmm. i mean that's really what this is setting it up mm-hmm. for to create a crisis in voting to where we have to now go to some new system that well, really one guy in one room can be manipulating the numbers of the votes and nothing mm-hmm. else matters and it you know? defangs our ability to question the results right, mm-hmm. right. so there always yeah. ought to be a recourse there ought to be a, a, a filing of grievance that, and that's where and that's i think where it's going that's why i said these are confusing because they're not just outright like what we're talking about they are outright but there's also some stuff built in here that's saying down the road we have room to complain. Down yeah. the road we have this. And well, so an absentee ballot. These are, these are pregnant with other intentions. Absentee ballots lends itself to the the temptation or the plan, the plot to do ballot harvesting. Mm-hmm. We saw in our twenty yeah. uh, twenty twenty election that multiple states, Trump was leading, yeah. four a.m., three a.m. The charts going like this. All of a sudden, there's this huge spike, three hundred thousand votes, mm-hmm. all. 100% for Joe Biden. Right. 100%. I mean, if you flipped a coin 300,000 times, right. you're not going to all land on heads. So that seems suspicious that mm-hmm. 300,000 absentee ballots came in and they're all for one person. Yeah. And so that certainly uh, allowing that lends itself to a lack of checks and balances, lack of being able to make sure that there's integrity behind that. And 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 so to me again, the idea that let's show up, yeah, in person with an ID, let's prove who we say we are. Mm-hmm. So that our elections are integral. And the thing is, 
to steal an election in America, people think, oh, that could never happen. You don't have to do it in 50 states. Right. You have to do it in about four or five yep. battleground states yep. and really just in like four or five counties in yep. the whole country. If yep. you, those four or five counties yep. and those four or five battleground states yep. can change the whole thing. So they can, they can hone in where they would want to do this and cheating. That, and that's why I'm saying no voting machines because right. you got four or five counties. There's some guy in, in, in this case, both for the Trump election and the Biden election, were like, this is being tallied over in Germany. Yeah. You know what I mean? By, by the by, the company that's got the software and stuff. And so I, I, that's why I say one person, one place, one vote, one exception rule. And that way everyone's got the same encumberment mm-hmm. to go. It's a right, but it, it's a right that you people have lived and died for. So you can go sacrifice for that or let's make it a national holiday. So it's less of an encumbrance for everybody. And then let's try to accommodate the people where it's difficult for, you know. But this, this uh, Prop 2 is actually putting extra problems on like counties mm-hmm. because it's saying every county has to have a a, um, uh, a special needs and by that I don't mean handicap but every every county has to provide a, a special needs process for those that have a complaint that day I went and mm-hmm. vote here but now I got to go here it's just making a way to stop the election and mm-hmm. undermine it so that we can fix it uh, by by doing that and it also says it doesn't have to be public money pr- uh, paying for that Prop 2 says we can now get private money or charitable money in to provide for that. Mm. And so what about Black Lives Matter? You know, what about, you know, some of these... Well, we're going to go back to the New York days of Tweed, and we're going to be standing at the polls with sandwiches, handing them out to come vote for Tweed or come, you know, that's that's basically what that is. That's the idea of... you know, in Georgia, we had right. people lined up for hours to try to vote, mm-hmm. and so they need water, they need yeah. food. Well, what's that? What's that going to turn into? Right. That's going to turn into here's the buffet. Right. Come to the come to the party, and then come and, vote. And some of those, like you said, four or five counties where it's like people are like, oh, I got to take off work, I got to go stand in line because they don't have their their polling process. Right. I mean, that's almost engineered, and this yeah. is a way that we right. can extend the voting and all that. Kind but of stuff. what is that issue? Okay, should people in this day and age have to stand in line for three hours to vote? No. Now, I think they should do it right. to vote. But no, we could probably be better at that. Yeah. But who's responsible for that? That local board of canvassers. Yes. That local uh that local secretary of state or the right. local uh, that and that's fire that person. So whoever yeah. is out there standing in line for three hours, your grievance is with the person who's in charge of your local elections. Yeah. Fire that person. Right. For incompetence. Yeah. That's who that's your problem. For the amount of money that they're spending on these voting machines and the software and the right. contracts with the companies, et cetera, right. et cetera. You could just enhance polling places mm-hmm. and make it there's four lines, there's twenty people working, not three. Right. And you you know, I walk into gym and there's four four polling right. places. So every, there's this line and there's, you know, three little old ladies, bless their heart, and you're standing yeah. in that line, and you get your ballot and you go, and then there's only Four stanchions to go, and everybody's right. kind of standing for that. So, right. forget the voting machine. We could yeah. we could fix this problem and, and make it a, a well, faster. Process. Well, and again, understanding you live in a country where you have the privilege to vote, you'll stand in line for a roller coaster for three hours. <laughs> if you got to stand in line to <laughs> vote right. for who's going right. to run your country or yeah. be your representative, stand yeah. in line. Like right. it's a privilege. Yeah, but people don't see it that yeah. way. Well, right. well, and not only is That's it a good. privilege, and, and and we're not. It's not a popularity contest, right. as you and I were talking before off camera. Voting is the exercise of authority. So you've been delegated a portion of authority because yes. we are a government for the people, by the people. Yes. And so we don't have a king. Yes. Right. We have a vote. Right. Okay. And so now that the king, all the consolidated power in one person, has now been delegated to 50 million people or right. 250 right. million people, right. however many people are going to vote. Half of which vote. It, yeah. it, right. 
and you have a percentage of that. Right. That's what your vote represents. Exercise your kingship so, on this day. Right. You're mm-hmm. exercising your authority. In therefore, therefore, then, as you mentioned earlier, I've surrendered my mm-hmm. rights to Christ. Mm-hmm. As a Bible believer, your vote is an exercise of authority by which the scriptures mandate that mm-hmm. you exercise righteous authority. Right. So you need to vote Good. right. You need to vote the right way. Good. And so it's not it's not what you pre- it's not even your preference. It's what does God say is right. And, and like I said about the the, the Bureau of um, Elections is if this is a constitutional amendment where financial disclosures get changed, the Bureau of Elections is going to have little, really, power over that. And then if we have all these mandatory early voting enhancements, the lessening of voter IDs, Bureau of Elections are going to be, they're not going to be able to handle that. And that, that's what this is. Let's right. inundate the system. It's like, it's like um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Muslim with four wives comes over here. One of them's his wife because it's illegal to have bigamy, but the other three are on the public dole. Right over here, and so you're inundating the system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, this is inundating the for, election system and for, breaking it. For as big as government is already, mm-hmm. it's not even big enough to to handle the paper bureaucracy that sure. we created. Yeah. <laughs> so so all the laws we've created, the government right now is not big enough. I'll give you an example. I was talking to a pharmacist yesterday, and he was about doing. He was eligible. He went through all the certification to do instant COVID tests in his pharmacy. Okay, it's a service he could provide, right? He doesn't do them because the law requires that he reports all resorts, uh, results. And there's the government never set up the office to report the results. Right. So the law requires him to do something that is impossible to do. Right. The office does not exist anymore. Right. So he goes, what am I supposed to do? Right. So his his counsel was, they said, don't do it because you're going to be found illegal even though the government has created a law that's impossible to follow. Right. Mm-hmm. That's government at its finest. And that's government at, you know, at its finest. So Prop 2, again, I think we're universal in saying I'm, I'm going to vote no Prop 1, Prop 2. 